Oh, I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. So, you know the last lady that I had a crush on. Um, there's a new one. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> intrigue, drama, do tell. And she sits next to me in my anthropology of sex class. Um, just hot, steamy. <laughs> Welcome to Bitchcraft and Misogyny, a podcast where I talk to high school friends who may or may not also be grandmas. Um, And today (laughs) I have Lydia with me, um, and I met Lydia uh, in high school. Uh, You know, fast friends, super great. Um, And have known her, I guess, for, like, six-ish years now, probably? Or, like, have really been, like, friend-friends with you for, like, 16 years? Or 16, six years? (laughs) Chill. Um, but yeah, uh, if you wanted to introduce yourself, you can go ahead and do that. I'm Lydia. Um, I'm 21. I'm a history student who wants to go into museum studies, and I'm stoked to be here. (laughs) Is there anything else? Do you have, like, interests and hobbies, and what's your, uh, what's your star sign, like? (laughs) Um, I'm an Aquarius with an ironic aversion to water. Um, (laughs) An Aquarius isn't a water sign. But the symbol for the Aquarius is water pouring out of a vessel yes but maybe it it's fitting then that it's they're like pouring the water away because i'm like screw it yes sending it away keep it as um, far away from lydia as possible yeah unless it's for a hot bath i'm into hot baths i like sunshine especially at like right at sunset hour that's moody um i love dogs especially mine and i'm really into um, vintage textiles and um, having a better understanding of the history of humanity and where we come from, which is super nerdy. Um, I don't think it's nerdy at all. I think it makes you super cool. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll just like get started with these uh, questions. Um, so uh, when I bring up the subject of, like, your identity, or just identity in general, um, what is kind of the first thing that comes to mind for you? Um, I'm Lydia, and that's obviously, like, my strongest identifying factor is, like, my name, how I identify, um, and then from that comes a lot, like, okay, so Lydia, that's me, um, it's the experiences that I've lived as a female um, and like all of the things that I've done throughout my life. Um, I also, I guess, secondarily identify um, right now as a student. That's a big one. Um, again, these aren't super profound, but um, it's really just like knowing where I'm at. Um, my family is Catholic and I am Catholic. Um, and a lot of people push you to make sure that you you say, like, that's your identity. It's like, you're, like, identify as your religion. Um, but that's not who I am. It's simply a part of me um, or, like, who I am, whatever. Um, but with that, the reason I was named Lydia was because my mom had a dream about my name. Uh, and she woke my dad up at, like, 2 in the morning and, like, punched him. It was like, we're naming our daughter Lydia. Um, Probably not in that voice. Sorry, Mom. I was going to say, was she possessed by a demon? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the next morning, they looked it up in the Bible, as all good Catholic parents do. And there I was. And St. Lydia was um, a single female entrepreneur. 
So she's essentially like a Catholic girl boss. Um, and so I think that's pretty relevant to, to my identity is just being um, confident in who I am, wherever I'm at, where like whatever I'm doing. Oh, also to add to that, part of my experience where I'm at now, um, when people talk about identity, um, is I tend to be very bubbly on the outside and positive, um, but internally it might be fairly different. Um, I've talked to therapists since I was in second grade, um, and so I'm very good at sharing certain things with people in those right situations and then being able to go about my daily life um, a little differently. And so for a lot of my life, to be honest, I was bullied um, because everyone thought I was perfect and had everything that they saw or wanted, um, when in reality that wasn't necessarily true. So part of the um, personal identity is um, learning not to keep everything in or put up a facade um, but learning how to effectively communicate, but also being able to um, deal with, whether positively or negatively, the responses I get from other people um, and knowing that how they treat me might be irritating, but it's not, I can't let that like affect me and who I am. Um, and just kind of stemming off of that, so what are like the big three categories that make up Lydia, like if you had to put names on them, um, like how, I guess how, um, others would view you, like, um, what do you think are the three, like your big three social identities? Um, so like the way that the world perceives you or, um, your own like internal views of the self because wow, we're getting deep here. I guess I would be like a this white questioning, but not really in a position where I can explore that uh, woman. Yeah, and and so stemming from that, um, how do you think that those like certain um, attributes affect you, um, mm. either in like a personal way or in the way that others perceive you or in the way that you um, go about your life. Um. Yeah, I guess the most interesting out of those conversation-wise um, is probably being um, knowing in some way that I am attracted to women and men, um, but not being in a position where I can really explore that. Um, that stems from living above a Catholic center, being in a very Catholic community. Um, I am a very, very liberal Catholic. I am, um, you know, faith is only one part of my identity. And being in a position where I'm surrounded by people who are truly good friends, but that also means I'm surrounded by people who um, are very condemning. Um, and especially being in the Oklahoma Bible Belt, like, whew, it can be rough sometimes. Um, but the beautiful thing is, like, being in college, and especially where I'm at, taking classes on the anthropology of sexuality, the history of sexuality, um, evolution and human sexual behavior, um, those allow me to meet people and have conversations and explore this identity further, um, and also just be able to... Um, be confident in where I'm at and not feel like I'm being shut down, but be confident in knowing where I'm at and if the person or situation arrives um, where I would be willing to explore that identity further. Um, I can, but right now it hasn't presented itself and thus I am comfortable not presenting my identity to others because it's part of me, but it's not necessarily like super bold right now. Ah, uh, see, so we haven't fully indoctrinated you yet. That's, that's the, that's one way of knowing. Um, yeah, I, I have, um, a rainbow pin on my denim jacket because I'm hip and cool circa 2016. Um, you say circa every, 2016, like it was like three decades ago. Uh, I was a youth, I was a f humble freshman, 
Um, no, but it's always funny because, like, around my queer friends, they're all like, solid, got it, cool, rainbow pin. And around some of my Christian friends, they're like, oh, the covenant where God promises hope to the people. And every time you have to put on a, for lack of a better term, straight face and go with it. Oh, no. And you're like, uh-huh. Yes, God God does, does promise hope for the future. future for the gays. A woman will like me. <laughs> <laughs> or even just a man, but, you know, a human. A human. Uh, my favorite professor, who's also my advisor, is teaching my class on the um, history of sexuality in America. And right now we're focusing on um, trans America and how that evolved and its conversations through history and whatnot. Um, and one of my best friends who sits right behind me is trans. And it's so fascinating just to, and he is um, from a Christian background. And so we get to have these absolutely wonderful conversations about just like how to approach those people in our lives and like the conversations that we have. And when I told him about that instance where I was wearing the rainbow pin and someone was like, oh my gosh, God's promise and just like busted out laughing like on the floor of like my professor my friend and me like in class just being able to like have that is such a wonderful thing yeah that sounds super awesome yeah I I definitely feel you on how it's like important to have people just to like express that aspect of yourself too and to like be able to it's a balance I feel like I have a pretty good balance right now good Mm-hmm. Um, you know, muddling our way through. <laughs> um, uh, so you also then mentioned um, white and cis and being a woman, um, which like you know same. Um, <laughs> Incredibly privileged with a handful of awful drawbacks. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a that's a good way to put it. Um, have you i'm i'm interested because you are in o- uh uh oklahoma in, in the bible belt um even oh more so than i think uh you would say we were in good old missouri so has there been any kind of um shift in the way that you either like think about things or the way that you um present yourself or um from like being in high school and then going to college heck yeah um one I say heck a lot more oh no (laughs) um (laughs) no um so something that's fairly positive if I live in Tulsa And Tulsa, similar to St. Louis, is a little bit of an oasis um, in the desert. Uh, There are still a lot of problems, but it is just a little bit better. But when I was in high school, I mean, we were at an all-girls high school. All-girls Catholic high school? All-girls private Catholic high school, yes, of course. Uniforms and all. Um, It's not as sexy as a lot of you probably think. Oh, it's very much the opposite. (laughs) Polyester blazers don't make for much sex uh, appeal. Those, those flame-retarded um, blazers. <laughs> skirts. Uh, and the plaid skirts really gets a girl going, but... <laughs> God. Um, no, so I feel like there, every once in a while, you'd get a comment. Like, one time I was sitting doing homework, and our head of school walked by and told me to put my legs together because there were men in the building. And I was like, that's bullshit. Moves on. Um... But when I came to Oklahoma, it is very different. Um, boys will talk over me in class, which I had never experienced before. Um, you have a lot of people who are getting married either right after high school or right after college. Like I have at least two save the dates on my fridge right now, um, which is mind blowing. That is bonkers. Um, yeah, yeah, it is absolutely crazy. Um, I have friends who are pregnant, um, and I've, I naively didn't recognize, um, not only how disappointing the, like, culture was outside of my bubble, 
but also like seeing how women change for men was incredibly disappointing um or just like how they believed in the institutionalized gender roles of our society um I'll hear things like I think women should be modest and cover up because um modesty is more attractive or you'll see the opposite where people are like more liberated in their dress but their reasoning behind it isn't because it's they're dressing the way they want to they're dressing because there's certain pressures of like you go to this place you're going to wear this like um or a change in identity like you have to act one way when you're like with your boyfriend's family or like just different stuff that's um i was so shocked by how many guys were openly like demeaning towards women and thought that that was okay or like just the sexist jokes that people make and don't even realize that it's inappropriate that was shocking to me um i don't think i've changed terribly if at all um if anything i've just become more set in like my identity and learning how to like handle the gender roles that people expect me to fulfill um the other day someone asked me how many kids i want to have and i was like <laughs> Um, I don't know if I am going to have kids, much less if I can, like, um, and usually when you drop that, they're like, oh, I'm sorry, never mind. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, like, I don't, I haven't experienced it, but I have, um, family members who have, and I've just seen the way that people react, and it's like, you told them that somebody, like, died. Died. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, because these people were, like, so I was talking with a group of two guys and two girls, and then myself. And the two guys, when they were asked how many kids, they're like, 11, enough for a football team. And my immediate reaction... Straight men are disgusting and a plague upon this planet. And the first thing out of the other girl's mouth was like, wow, ha ha. And my response was, your poor wife. <laughs> And I said that out loud, and everyone looked at me. And I was like, yeah, your poor wife. Like, make sure you sign both, like, a prenup and an agreement that she knows what she's getting into. <laughs> God, I can't even. Do you know how reproduction works, sir? <laughs> Ex excuse me, excuse me, but um, do you know what it takes to have a child? <laughs> yeah. Like, in my... Um, anthropology class right now we were just learning about how um, the reproductive costs for men versus women so like all men have to do is fuck a couple girls and they might get a couple kids but like for a female she has 18 years of her life at least dedicated to like raising this being most of the time um, and just how often you'll hear guys who are like yeah I want all these kids if they want kids in the first place and then girls were like, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, getting asked how many kids I wanted was a wild ride. That really, that really, like, is the perfect example. Because it's not it's even... not, do you yeah, want it's, kids? Do you want a relationship? It's how many do you yeah, want? It's, it's, because the, the, even the, do you want kids is, like, an annoying question to get asked. But just the, like, mm -hmm. straight up... So how many children are you going to physically give life to? It's like, yeah. I don't, that's, uh, excuse me, I'm 21. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Part of me is like, oh, that's flattering that you think um, someone's going to want to have sex with me. I appreciate that. Um, but <laughs> who knows if I want to have sex with them back. Yeah, no, it's, it's a wild, wild ride. Yeah. yeah. But there's just this assumption that you're going to get married. And well, one. Usually one right that out, you're cis and straight. Yes. And then you're going to graduate from college. You're going to marry the boy you've been dating. Um, within a year or two years, you're going to be pregnant and have a child. You probably aren't going to be... You might have a job like right out of college. But once you have the baby, you're going to quit your job. And you're going to have this nuclear family and I think that's pretty you know pretty generic for 
most of America, but up to this point, like right now, we're starting to see this very significant um, cultural and social change where that's not the norm anymore, or it's not becoming the norm. Um, you have an increase in single parents. There's a growing diversity just in terms of couples who do and don't have kids, um, etc. On that tangent. <laughs> it's almost like the nuclear family is a construct and there's nothing natural about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, have you found yourself like, I don't know, I just can imagine like myself in uh, your environment and just being even more obstinate and like even more uh, belligerent and <laughs> annoying. Um but how how have you found, um, because you do hold, I would say, um, a different set of beliefs than uh, the majority of, of people on your campus? Um, Both in that I'm Catholic and not Christian, which apparently is differentiated in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Um, but also in being more liberal. Yeah, yeah. Two contrasting <laughs> things that are both not widely common in Oklahoma. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but have you found yourself, like, trying to just not have those conversations with people or trying to communicate better about it or uh, just not putting yourself even in a situation where you're going to have a person who, like, wants to be contrarian? Um, how has that kind of affected you? Yeah. I get confronted a lot more than I confront others. Oh, well, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It's like, hello, um, I'm chill. Like, I just think what I think and I'm gonna, like, you know, go to class. But if you want to, like, scream at me, that's fine, too. Yeah. Really, though, um, I'm not explicit in my beliefs for the most part. But my friends know because it comes up in conversation. My friends are like-minded as I am. Um, I have been called the uh, Feminist of Newman which I think is an excellent title to have been given for not explicitly stating my beliefs. <laughs> is that just like your building? Yeah, so Newman is the St. Philip Neary Newman Center, and that's the Catholic center on campus. It's where the church is for Catholic students. It's also where my apartment is, and it's also this like really fantastic um, hangout space where we have tons of people who come and hang out here. I, because I live at Newman, um, I am not surrounded by my age peers. They all live in apartments that are like a couple blocks away, but we have a lot of freshmen who come to Newman and they'll hang out and they know that me and my roommate live here. And so of course we invite them in, they can have hot chocolate. We have nacho study parties on a fairly regular basis. Aren't you cute? Um, we drive girls home when they've been studying till like two in the morning so they don't have to walk across campus. Um... So I've gotten to know that crowd pretty well. And I was confronted um, by a employee of our Newman Center one day, and I was just like hanging out on the couch in our lobby with my friend Eli, who she and I share the exact same beliefs. No one has ever confronted her about them. Um, and I was handed a paper by this person, and it was just titled, Why the Left Hates Women. <laughs> And I, and I was given no explanation for why this was handed to me. Uh, but I showed the title to Eli, who was sitting next to me, and she just gave me these, like, wide eyes. And I said, I think I'm going to read this after I eat something so I, my blood sugar levels are up. <laughs> um, and then just tucked it in my backpack, and the person walked away. Um, and it was this horrendous article. Absolutely, hugely distressing. I did not expect to receive it in any way. Um, and I, I did feel a little attacked, and I think that's a valid statement to use here, because it had come without prior conversation or without prior warning or opportunity for discussion. Um, if it had been something that had come up in a situation where we had been talking and had a conversation about it that was polite and respectful, that would have been fine. Um, but the fact that it was so blatantly handed to me in such a I am condemning you for something that I think you believe without ever having explicitly asked um, was rough. But I had this amazing community of people to talk to about it. Eli, my advisors, my professors in my classes that I'm taking. And then really, after reading this horrible article, 
that had a whole wide variety of topics. Um, but then recognizing like, no, my job here at Newman is to serve as an example of what I want women to be in our community. Um, I don't want you to feel like you can't be who you are. There's a quote from our high school. Oh, no. Uh, from... <laughs> no, I promise it's No, good. I know what you're going to from... say. Oh. Go ahead. Well, it's from St. Francis de Sales, and it's be who you are and be that well. And one time my mom was in book club with her other um, empty nester friends. And they were talking about, like, what that means to them. And she's like, you know, what if it just means what it means? Like, literally be who you are and be that well. Like, if you're straight, be straight. Be good yeah, about be it. Be chill. If you're gay, be gay. Be no Like, be chill. Um, like, don't be an asshole, essentially. Just like God made you the way you are. God gave you the brain that makes you think the way you are, etc. And so that's really something that I have decided after being confronted um, is that, you know, who gives a shit? Like, I'm going to serve as an example for those who want, who see those qualities within me. If you're going to be mean to me for the way I am, that's only going to make me stronger in my beliefs um, and more confident in recognizing that, like, other people really, I have had multiple girls who've come up to me and told me that, I am so hugely important in their lives because in Newman they see a lot of criticism or in Oklahoma they see a lot of criticism and they felt like they couldn't be Catholic which is part of our identity and also like be who they were and so being able to be that person for someone else was huge um, and just having another person there for conversation is a big deal to me so I don't remember what the question was <laughs> um, yeah Mainly talking to my amazing advisor, um, surrounding myself with friends who I share beliefs with and who are worth my time. So if you're my friend, you've made the cut. Um, <laughs> and then also just being confident in myself because I want to serve an example for other people. Um, being able to share whatever my struggles or experiences are um, because you need that community. Good answer. You need you need your silent queer friends. Yes. Silent queer feminist liberal friends. Yes. Very important. I don't know how um, politically, um, I don't want to say like politically active, but... Um, how do I deal with people who voted for well, Trump? Well, you know, you can answer that question too, but I have a, I have a slightly more nuanced one. <laughs> Um, I'm just trying to formulate it. Give me a goddamn break. I drink the pain away. No. <laughs> Cut that. Don't even. <laughs> um, essentially, I don't know how um, actively you engage with political like thought or uh, action or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but how does that like interact with your faith? Ooh, that's a good question. I know I'm really good at this, aren't I? <laughs> you're amazing you always have been um well i think essentially god wants us to be good people and use the minds that we were given and think for ourselves and for humanity and taking care of the environment and the people that were created with that given the way i've been raised um it is always been more important to put that in the values of society and where we're at today. Um, so for me, that's not saying, well, you should vote for the Republican because you're Catholic, because that's bullshit. Um, you should vote for the beliefs that you believe in. You should vote for what you think social justice stands for, because that is part of our inherent beliefs as, I don't know, Christian Catholic people. One of the things that I definitely struggle with talking about with other people, um, this is going to get real interesting, but um, is the pro-life movement because... Uh, uh, yeah, so much to unpack. Which, yeah, which I will not go into, but having to be able to know when and when not to have conversations about that is huge. Um, and so I am perfectly satisfied in my beliefs. And I'm okay having those contradict that of my faith, which is fine because you know what? 
if my beliefs are so wrong that they're going to get me sent to some demonic hell, then that's not my faith. Then that's the faith of another person. My faith is my own. And, oh man, one of the nuns at Biz is going to like roll over in her grave when she hears this. <laughs> um, honestly, like being a historian, being someone who is cognizant of humanity, just be, being a person who tries to educate herself on what's going on in the world, you can't take your political beliefs from a book that's from another time. There are situations that you can apply from the same, but you have to look at where you're at today and you have to look at people. And you have to be able to say, I inherently believe this and be confident in your own belief. And I am. And that's hard. And it's taken me 21 years to say like, yeah, I'm pretty confident in that. Um, I was asked to be an intern for a Republican congression, uh, congressman. And I denied the opportunity because I said, you know, well, one, it's not going to further my career in museums. Um, I hope not. <laughs> but it's also not an environment that I want to work in because I don't share their beliefs. I can respect them as people, but only when they also show respect for my beliefs. Um, yeah. Did that answer at all what you that were looking for? That 100% was a lovely answer. You did wonderfully. Um, and you can definitely talk about how you deal with people who voted for Trump if you would like to, because I can imagine that that is a interesting space to navigate. Yeah, it's a rough space. Um, actually, a group of my guy friends did. I would not call them friends. I would call them acquaintances. I play on the intramural softball team with them. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> which is hilarious because for some of us, we know softball to be the essential queer lady sport. Of course. And for these very, very heterosexual white men, they're like, let's exhibit our masculinity. <laughs> and just the contrast is so beautiful. Um, no, but when I found out that they had voted for Trump or were planning to vote for Trump, um, I said, well, I'm not going to argue with you because honestly, it's not worth my time and you're not going to change your mind and you know you're not going to change mine. Um, we're able to exist in the same sphere like we've all had beers a couple of times together and we know and honestly like they're so <laughs> insignificant to me that if the time is ever right to have a conversation with them, I know that I can. But at this point, we both know that it's like it's one of those things where it's like, there are certain people that it's appropriate to have good conversations with about that. And especially with a lot of my female friends, being able to say, well, you know, this is why I'm voting for this person or why I have this belief. This is a couple of reasons why I think you might be interested in having this same belief. But for the guys, it's a little different. Um, just because I don't know them that well or I can't relate to them or they can't relate to me on certain levels. And so some of the people I'm closer with, yeah, it's easier to have those political discussions, but others not so much. Um, one of my best friends, her boyfriend and I would get coffee every Sunday um, when she was staying abroad, which other people thought was weird, but like we didn't care. And we would have really good conversations about our political beliefs. And he and I were on the same page, but his girlfriend, who's my best, one of my best friends, um, our beliefs are different. And so we were t able to talk about and have conversations like, okay, if you two are going to get married, that's a weird conversation to have. Um, what would you want to teach your children? How would you have discussions about this? Um, how is that going to impact your like decisions to even just like have children? Um, so <laughs> it's often easier to have conversations with people who have like-minded beliefs and then it's easier to have conversations with people who you're closer to but might be of different beliefs. But at this point, knowing that like there are certain environments where it's better for me to have those conversations or not um, is more important to my mental health right now and that if the situation arises where I need to, I can. But right now it's not my priority, which some people might not like. <laughs> Sorry. No, um... Yeah, so I mean... And also, like, when they say stuff in public that is often not historically or factually true, um, being able to later um, say, hey, I noticed you said this, that's actually not true, here's the fact information, 
whatever it is, and them being like, oh, I didn't know that. They're actually pretty open to that. I'm lucky because of the community I'm in. Um, but yeah, there are some people where right now I know that I'm, I'm not going to be able to change minds because they are so frustratingly set in their own. Yeah. And I'll give you, I'll give you the Christian answer, which is you just pray for those people. Um, (laughs) oh God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Oh God. (laughs) Help me out. (laughs) Whenever. So my roommate and I, whenever, this is tangent, um, whenever someone goes, God damn it. The other person from like wherever we are in the apartment will go, I damn it to hell. (laughs) As like, as God, man, we're going to be in some funky level of hell together. When are you taking your, uh, uh, two person Catholic comedy sketch on the road? (laughs) (laughs) I'd buy Um, tickets. Oh, I really hope we, so we actually have a film fest every year at our Newman Center, and my roommate and I were like, oh, we should do a video, and we were like, no, 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 they would kick us out of the apartment. (laughs) We cannot do that. She and I are very like-minded. We're able to have incredibly respectful conversations. She's a nursing major, and I'm studying the history of sexuality, so the conversations we get to have are fascinating, because they go together, um, and we're able to really learn from each other, and um, yeah, she's the best. Shout out to my roommate. (laughs) Awesome. Um, what was the first time that you sort of realized that you had privilege or that you didn't have privilege, um, if there was a time? And even if you don't, you wouldn't have necessarily had the language to call it privilege. Um, and how has that kind of affected you? The first time I realized that I was privileged was when I was fairly little and we would go up and visit my grandmother in Milwaukee. Um, And she lives in what was originally a uh, lower middle class white post-World War II neighborhood. They were the second family to have ever lived in this house. Everyone was white. Everyone had the white picket fence and 2.5 kids. And over the years, um, the neighborhood, which is now in like North Milwaukee in the city, um, has become a, a decreasing income rate and more diverse in its population. And there's also a higher crime rate in the area that they live now. And so I was exposed to a lot of their racist tendencies that I had never witnessed in my own home. Um, and so I remember having conversations with my parents when I was fairly little, about seven, and just saying, like, why are they saying that? Um, what does that mean? How come they have bars on their doors? Various things like that. Um, And my parents explaining how race and privilege and um, wealth and other factors played into the differences in our neighborhoods. Um, Simply because, like, I was told I couldn't go on a walk or ride my bike in my grandma's neighborhood because it was unsafe. So that was probably the first time I recognized that, but understanding what that meant, I mean, like, when we became friends and our friend group in high school was very active and recognized that it was important to be aware of social issues, and you guys are really the ones who first introduced me to all these concepts and recognizing them as important. Um, Are you saying that we indoctrinated you? Yeah, I mean, like, you guys, we sat at a round table. Do you remember this? Yeah, well, of course I and remember all the this. Other, and all the other tables were rectangular. And I remember that when I moved from my rectangular friend table to the round friend table, the rectangular friends, who were very square in thinking... Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, ...were kind of pissed. They are like, why are you hanging out with them? And to be completely honest, it's because I enjoyed the conversations that we had more. I was learning. I was growing as a person um, and being able to express myself more fully. And at this square tape, at this square rectangular table, they didn't care. And I couldn't imagine being a person who didn't want to care. Um, yeah. Yeah, the first time that I experienced not being privileged, so like, on the gender aspect um 
two times. One, when the head of our school told me to uh, put my legs together because there are men in the building. Um, that was the first time where I'd ever been called out. Thank you, Rosie. <laughs> uh, context for listeners. When she says that there were men in the building, she's talking about like faculty and staff, as in... Which there were three there of. There were three of. And male. And were grown men. <laughs> like, excuse you? <laughs> I just, I would just love to know what she thought was going to happen. Like, if I kept my legs open. Like, I really want to know how that played out in her head. Actually, I really don't, but... <laughs> and then the second time uh, was definitely when I moved to college and I was on, like, living by my own monetary means. Um, and I had to buy razors and pads, and I was like, ugh, why? <laughs> this is stupid. Why should I have to buy the ones that are floral and fruity for $20 more? Um... And then also when I, and with that, um, I've had a series of medical problems um, with my body during my menstrual cycle and doctors not listening to me. Oh my god. <laughs> we were talking about this in uh, the class that this podcast is for the other day and just like... Okay. There is, like, documented, um, like, statistical, uh, uh, anecdotal evidence and, like, data that shows that, like, doctors just don't believe women when they say that they're in pain. <laughs> like... Yeah, straight up. So, I have two things that I have. I have Bell's palsy, which is where I get temporary facial paralysis, um, where the right side of my face, the muscles will droop, almost like someone's just had a stroke. Um, and then the other, I have this very long and obnoxious term, which is histamine-induced angioedema. And that's essentially where um, whenever I ovulate, I'm allergic to the histamine that my body produces and my intestines swell and harden. And um, I ended up in the emergency room for it about a year ago because it was so incredibly painful. And they, they didn't believe me. Um, they... I mean, they gave me morphine and sent me home. They're like, that's weird. Um, and going to my doctor, who I have gone to my whole life and has always been absolutely incredible. Um, and, I mean, he helped me realize that, like, the facial paralysis was Bell's palsy. And he helped me recognize that um, the swelling was the angioedema. But beyond that, being able to say, like, I want something to help me with this pain management and like so then I had to go to an endocrinologist and then I had to go to an OBGYN who I love my OBGYN which is so rare um and now I have a new uh primary care doctor just because none of them would like hear me out I'd they would say like oh well take a daily allergy pill it's like but that makes me super drowsy do I just have to take Benadryl all the time um like what like, listen to me and help me figure out what really needs to happen. And that was a big deal. Like, you won't listen to me. And it's because I'm a woman and they, these are, like, lady problems. Mainly the one about being told to keep my legs shut really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's casual. Um, and so going off of that, because I would say that we are two, like, fairly privileged individuals, Yes, um, incredibly so. Yes. Uh, what do you do to, quote unquote, check your privilege? Or like, what is um, something that you've learned that's important in order to consider women of different backgrounds than yourself? Or not even women, but people in general? Um, mm -hmm. um, I try and stay updated on current events around the world. I try and utilize news and social media sources that are legitimate wide-ranging yeah legitimate <laughs> but also but also that choose to cater to a wider variety of the population that recognize diverse women not only in ethnicity but in body type and size um, and ability um, and age etc um, that's important to me and so like one being aware of my privilege and then also like when I'm looking at news articles or whatever, educate myself on world events and also 
like not being like, oh, I'm only going to read the news sources that apply to me. Also, Oklahoma is a very not diverse place. Wow, I can't believe that. a very not diverse place. (laughs) And so just remaining cognizant through the classes I take and the professors I work with, like being a living, breathing human being, that like this is not what the world is. Yeah. Like this is a bubble and having to be self-aware of that. And also when I'm having a bad day or things are going wrong, recognizing, yes, whatever your pain is, pain is or frustration is is valid um, and not condemning that but also recognizing that there are greater issues going on so like yes those things are valid um, and to whatever needs to be done to help my mental health or whatever that is like that might mean okay you are experiencing an increase in anxiety right now so you're going to take a break from reading the daily news just for this week because that external stress is not healthy for you, but I'm not denying that those things are occurring. I'm still, I'm still working on it because of the community that I live in. Also, trying not to run away from volunteering. Um, well, both running, not running away, but like some people who do volunteer work for the purpose of feeling better about themselves. Um, and like, great, I'm glad you're doing services to help people, but, you know, making a conscious effort to associate myself, or not associate myself, but serve other communities that it's actually going to be long-term beneficial for Yeah, them. yeah, to, like, apply yourself in a way that will actually... Not just feel good. Yeah, that can lead to actual change, like, whether it's on, like, an individual level for a person or, like, structurally... It's not just a kind of like, look at us. Aren't we like so great? Look and at like, me. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. Isn't this charity that I'm performing right now super awesome? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, I can totally understand that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, right now I can't apply myself to an organization like that because my, my job right now is to be a student. Like that's where I'm at right now. But knowing that that's something I will pursue at a later point when that is applicable to my schedule. Um, Because you see a lot of people who go on mission trips, especially within the Christian communities. um, And they go for a week, and they dug some ditches, and then they leave. And they took some nice beach photos. Yeah, and, 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 Um, you know, some fun photos with, like, small children of color. Yeah, yeah. Who, you know, really, they just made them realize their humanity or some bullshit. And it's just yeah, like... Yeah, the kids are in, like, an oversized t-shirt and the girl is in, like, Lululemon shorts, a Nike t-shirt, and, like, some $30 headband. Yeah, and it's just like, I she isn't... think you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, too. Like... And, and st- stuff like that also has, like, a history of being like, well, why couldn't we have, like, employed... Uh, local people to like do these jobs like why isn't there uh, a structure in place that would like give a wage for these people to do this labor and uh, create something that's going to help uh, support their community like yeah oh speaking of which um also trying to focus on supporting local communities so Tulsa has a very good like local vibe there are a lot of local shops and stores and whatnot um that are good and so making an effort to support local businesses um, is also not necessarily recognizing diversity or privilege but in like benefiting the greater environment that's important to me too yeah down with capitalism um i was i was going to say that but i let you say it okay good uh Monopolies throw back to the round table. Yes, yes. Monopolies Hurt. are uh, a cancer and Amazon will kill us one day. Um <laughs> but to back to what you uh were saying, like there are there's like documented history of people uh or organizations doing those mission trips where um people will do that vol- volunteer quote unquote volunteer work and have the structures or resources that they either build or provide not be like sustainable and then locals just have to fix it themselves 
And so it's like, oh, like, thanks for doing nothing. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, having, you know, only marginally better access to uh, Hmm. either, you know, uh, the main ones are, like... Whatever the resources. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are, like, wells or uh, different types of irrigation or, uh, like, structures and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. But so it's like... Hmm. I wonder who this is benefiting, and also, how much money did you pay to go on this trip? Could you have just donated it to someone else? I have a huge problem with that, because also, your local community often needs it just as much. And I'm not saying that international volunteer work is bad, but I'm saying that for those who feel pressured to go on these expensive mission trips, that, like, you can you can provide good and do good and help change your community positively, both feel good and make positive change, like, right where you are. Plus, you also get to return to your privilege at the end right. of that. Right, it's a, it's a um, super good way for you to, one, distance yourself from uh, disadvantaged communities in your own uh, immediate area, and two... <laughs> is a super great, like, touristy way to be like, oh, like, people have it worse off than me in the world, and isn't that sad? I'm, and like, oh man, why was I not happy beforehand? Yeah, oh god. Ugh. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, um, as a sort of, like, final question, um... The final question. Final question. Bum, bum, bum. Um, what is um one aspect of your identity that you wish that people would acknowledge more or engage with more and then one that they would um acknowledge or comment on or engage with less i want people to recognize my intelligence more i am fucking smart (laughs) yes Um, you are and people think that because i'm a history major that the work i do is easy that it's basic that anyone could do it. Anyone can put an exhibit together in a museum. Anyone can write a paper. And that is kind of true, but also not. Um, Because I have dedicated so much of my life to my education, to having a well-rounded education. And people just don't recognize that. Like I think, too, with history, especially, like... Because history literally can encompass anything. Like, you would have to, like, know, I would assume, depending on what you specialize in, but, like, basic aspects of science and, like, basic aspects of, um, like, the... Literally everything is history. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, the quote-unquote, like, hu- like, the humanities or whatever, a lot of that incorporates... It's just about the world, and the world incorporates the shit that you guys think is, like that you guys label as STEM and is, like, somehow much harder to, uh, or not harder, but, like, more valued. Um, yeah. But and, it's fucked up. Yep. And people thinking that just because I am not pursuing science or math is, like, makes me stupid. That's frustrating. You are no better than me just because you're pursuing engineering. And honestly, if you're calling me out for being stupid for pursuing history, then you're probably your sense of intelligence is not as strong. Because, like, obviously the work they do is incredibly important, but if they can't recognize that all work is important, like, they're missing the mark. Wow, that was very... People would... That was very Marxist of you. (laughs) Um, One thing that I wish people would recognize less on me was my hair. Um, (laughs) Explain for the listeners. I am blonde, and I have a very uh, full, lovely... Head of blonde hair. Uh, just in case any of you were wondering, yes, Lydia could be on a postcard for Holland or Sweden or a Scandinavian commercial. Uh, uh, country. Uh, yeah. That's what you, if that's what you're picturing, you know, you're spot on. Yeah. I, I am pale blonde and blue eyed. And I honestly, I wish people would not recognize my hair as much as like, as a defining factor about me. I think the first time that I ever noticed that was like when I was 16 and there was a boy who liked me and he was just like, oh, and you, he was, and like his, 
when he mentioned my beauty, it was like he talked about my hair or like what made me attractive was like something so superficial because honestly, it's not that important. Like if I was brunette, if I was a redhead, if I was bald, like whatever, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, a very weird relationship with uh, women's hair yeah. in uh, the quote unquote Western Our world. Society. Uh, super gross when it comes to the way that we talk about black women's hair, like gross in the way that we like view hair as a symbol of femininity, gross in the way that like white women's hair is something to be like treasured and protected. It's like, oh, I'll have a note on that for you. So I was hanging out with a friend of mine in Stillwater. And we were talking about tattoos, and he's got two, he's got tats up his arms. Um, and I was like, you know, I've, I've got a couple that I'm considering, but I'm holding off on in the, in the future um, for now. He was like, I don't, I don't think women should have tattoos. I don't think it's very, I think they're too masculine and rough, and I like my women to be, like, light and delicate. The yikes. Like, the heck? Yikes. Um, also, light, had, light. Ugh. That's yeah, got there's so many implications. So many implications in that. But about a year ago, I had gotten an undercut, which for me was like partially for the summer because my hair is just like so sweaty. And whenever I work out, like it was getting in the way of me doing things that I wanted to do. And when I thought about that, it's like the way, I mean, I study historic clothing and textiles. Like I look at how appearance impacts people. But also, like, if I kept had kept my undercut um, and not grown it out, like, would you have thought me any less a female that you would be attracted to or, like, different things like that? Or, like, my, it's not still there at all, but I dyed my hair pink a while back um, just because I wanted, I needed something to do with my hands that wasn't self-destructive. And so for me, that meant I'm going to dye my hair pink. And people came up to me and they're like, oh, I liked it better when you were blonde. I like it better when it's pink. It's like, like, thank you. I didn't really ask for your opinion. I didn't ask at all. (laughs) But like, thanks. Um, Yeah. I liked it better when you were quiet. Like (laughs) straight up. Ironically, it was two priests who both shared that with me. Um, One who came up to me. I was like, oh, Lydia. Oh, what happened? Like, what do you mean, what happened? Like, the hell is that supposed to mean? Ew. And um, they were priests? Yeah, and then the other one... It's even grosser. Like, oh, they were like, oh, it's red. And I was like, no, it's pink. And he goes, no, it's definitely red. It's like, there are so many problems with this conversation right now. I'm gonna walk away. <laughs> yeah, and just people... Again, I'm hugely privileged with the hair that I have, that I get a lot of privileges from that. But sometimes the way people treat me because of it in negative ways is incredibly disconcerting about our world today. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of like all that I have. Um, if, and on that note. And on that note. Um, <laughs> uh, unless there was anything else that you like super wanted to talk about. Thanks for having me. I was so, <laughs> I was so genuinely excited to get be asked to be a part of this because... That's so sweet. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, that's like kind of all I have. Um, But no, uh, so if you wanted to um, either tell people where they can find you on the internet or um, plug any um, organizations uh, or causes that you uh, would like people to pay attention to um, or any media that you think uh, people should consume, you can 100% go for it if you would like to. My name's Lydia. You can't find me on any social media. I encourage you to join your local feminist girl gang. And all you should ever need to watch is any of John Mulaney's stand-up comedy. That's true. Thank you and good night. Awesome. Uh, So yeah, I guess that's kind of the end of this episode of Bitchcraft and Misogyny. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Um, If you would like to shout at us, us, I keep doing that. It's just me. Um, (laughs) If you would like 
to holler at me on Twitter or Tumblr. It is bcraftpod, the letter B, craftpod. Um, or if you would like to email with questions, comments, concerns, um, general hexes on uh, cabinet level officials, you can send those to bcraftandmisogyny at gmail.com. And um, thank you, Lydia, for um, sitting down with me. I appreciate you so much. Thanks. You're the best. Okay. Thanks.